0: Welcome to Tech Insights from Infotech Research Group, the podcast where our group of expert analysts cut through all the noise and focus on what really matters for technology leaders. Throughout the pandemic, we've seen many efforts to express gratitude for healthcare workers, and they deserve it. Treating patients with COVID-19 means that healthcare workers are risking their lives every day just by going to work. A study that came out in The Lancet in November demonstrated that healthcare workers, and especially nurses, have a higher rate of infection for coronavirus than non healthcare workers. Not only are they taking that risk, but they're burned out. Overloaded intensive care units have stretched hospital staff to its limits. And now we're asking that same group of people to help us roll out the vaccines as fast as possible. It wouldn't be fair to healthcare workers we didn't learn some lessons from this pandemic. From an IT perspective, there is an opportunity here to help reduce the risks faced by healthcare workers and to help reduce their workloads overall. Virtual healthcare is one promising area to explore here. Addressing the failures of the long-term care home model is another. To discuss this with me today, I have two guests on Tech Insights. We have Jennifer Jones, Infotech's industry analyst for healthcare. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks, Brian. And we're also joined by a special guest today. We have Sash Anand, the Vice President of Product Strategy at SOTI, an enterprise software vendor. Welcome, Sash. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. You bet. And uh, Sash, why don't you just get us started? Explain to me briefly SOTI's work in the healthcare industry and just why you're interested um, in sort of healthcare tech trends. Absolutely,
1: so the healthcare industry is really becoming increasingly reliant on mobile and IoT devices to revolutionize the delivery of patient care and improve health outcomes. And so, advances in mobile device capabilities and a healthcare organization's technical infrastructure have really enabled medical practitioners to deploy devices to securely collect patient data, update patient records, and really assist in invaluable research for gaining deeper insights into collected data. And so, SODI's work we have something called the SOTI One Platform. It's a software solution, and our focus is really around removing things like functional silos where everybody's working on their own things. It's about eliminating that downtime when you are using mobile devices and IoT devices in your organization. It's about building applications faster, and it's about the overall management of mobile and IoT devices and having it all done in one place in order to also deliver actionable insights give you the data that you need, but also recommend
0: actions to perform to help you improve your operations. Okay, great. That makes sense that why you would be interested in in helping your clients. Um, and, you know, thanks to Sodi, we do have some great data here today. Uh, you conducted your state of mobility and healthcare survey. And um, we're going to dive into that data a little bit here and discuss the implications of it for IT. So let's start with the situation in hospitals, Uh, because we know the pandemic has been very challenging for healthcare workers. Yeah. And unfortunately, it sounds like technology was sort of adding to their problems, which is not what you want to hear. Yeah. So according to the survey, the average North American healthcare worker lost 432 hours per year because of technology issues. And during the pandemic, 78% of healthcare workers said their technology and systems were not prepared to manage any situations related to COVID-19. Uh, yeah, so do you want to shed some more light on that situation, Sash?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the technology, so in, in some cases, we see that the healthcare industry is using technology, but the problem is, is that it's outdated And other places, they're actually using still paper and pen processes. So that 432 hours of lost time that you mentioned, that equates to about 39%. So only 39% of a healthcare worker's time is really spent focused on patient care. So what is the rest of that time being used for? Well, the rest of the time is on what we call mundane tasks. Things like accessing and updating patient records, uh, accessing test results, traveling and recording information for administrative purposes. Um, these are all not what I mean mundane tasks. They're very, very important, but it's something that technology could really help automate and
0: eliminate that time, allowing the healthcare worker to focus on patient care. Yeah, I mean, the, the maturity is pretty low, and I've seen that myself. Uh, if, if anyone's been in an emergency room in the last few years, uh, they're still managing these processes by passing around sheets of paper. Uh, uh, was sort of surprising to me, just uh, living in a more digital type of world, I guess. But Jennifer, let's bring you in here, uh, because in your hospital innovation report that you wrote for InfoTech, you cover some technologies uh, that might help hospitals with that sort of problem. Why don't you walk us through some of them?
2: Yeah, so I think a, a lot of it is sort of this confluence of certainly the issues that Sash and, and Brian you just mentioned around the inability to mature um, existing technology processes is a big barrier to innovation, especially in skilled and acute care facilities like hospitals. Um, a lot of patients, on the other hand, are looking to integrate their personal convenient, like personal convenience. Um, wearables and trackers and different types of point of care diagnostics into their overall health record. And so there's also this sort of element of recognizing that there's challenges on the skilled uh, nursing and acute care side, but integrating in um, some of these convenience items that Sash mentioned at the beginning in his intro. So things like point of care testing asset tracking and real-time location systems, these are all emerging technologies that could be used not only in an acute care setting, but in a patient's home. And sort of, I think certainly during the pandemic, there's been more interest in the concept of like the hospital at home and seeing how much care could be provided within a patient's home. That's somewhat exciting, um, not only from a cost perspective, but potentially from an innovation perspective as well. Now, obviously, there's many caveats that come along with this. Anytime you're enabling patients to do sort of those point-of-care diagnostics, you want to make sure that they do have still some clinician support or provider support in interpreting results, um, as well from an asset tracking and real-time location systems uh, sort of model. There are sort of those dimensions of complexity, certainly around patient privacy and patient care, but they could also you know, as a trade-off of that, uh, reduced costs in terms of um, helping to track assets. Um, but in some cases, they're also being used to track vulnerable patients. So patients that have dementia or Alzheimer's in skilled nursing facilities. Um, so these things are all sort of comes with trade-offs around cost, privacy and security. But there is certainly a lot to, to discuss around innovation and integrating technologies into facilities, but also at the
0: patient's home. Yeah, so much of what you said there is is so interesting to me because you know we talk about asset tracking in hospitals, and we're talking about the ability to track the location of things like hospital beds. Um, this is a big problem in hospitals. Just knowing where uh, the where do we get the next GERDI. Where is one available to to transport a patient or to put a patient in the meantime while they're waiting to get from one part of the process to another? So there's that. And then, you know, as Jennifer raises here, uh, part of what technology can bring to us is more convenience for the patients as well, right? Because um, a lot of people feel that uh, when they're dealing with the healthcare system, it's not very transparent. It's Often confusing for the patient about where you are, what's happening next, who's treating me, um, what what's really happening in this process, and and Shash, uh, you tell us, uh, what do you see as uh, t- turning technology f- from a hindrance into a helper in this sort of situation?
1: Yeah, so I think I think that uh, with mobile technologies, the healthcare industry is really becoming increasingly reliant on these devices. And uh, and and it's as Jennifer said, uh, some of these patients even want to leverage their own devices and their own information. And, uh, and and the healthcare industry is also what's cool is they're embracing IoT devices. So IoT are these this idea of hey, how do I find that bed? Well, what if I could put some type of Uh, IoT device on that on on that bed. So these kind of technologies offer this idea of indoor location so I can manage my assets that are inside the the, the facility inside the hospital. Uh, I can locate these things on a a virtual map and I can see exactly where they are. That's the kind of uh, technology that's available today. So asset management becomes much, much easier. If these are, if there are IoT type devices, uh, when I say IoT, hopefully it's it's Internet of Things. They're smart devices. They're right. connected to the internet, um, mm-hmm. but they don't really have a rich operating system necessarily with them. But I can capture data from them, and I can get location information and and capture that type of information as well. So this is revolutionizing the delivery of patient care, really, and, and improving health health outcomes. Um, and you guys also touched on this, right? As you're using all this mobile technology, security becomes uh, a massive discussion, and and it's a it's sometimes a worry. So we want to be able to, of course, deploy devices. We want to be able to take these devices and make sure that they're secure. So we want to be able to securely collect patient data, uh, also update patient records, and uh, and then assist with uh, research and, and being able to gain deeper insights into that collected data. And that's kind of where we can kind of fit in.
0: So that's very, very important. Yeah. And a few good suggestions there. I think there would be a huge benefit just in moving uh, away from the paper and pen process, and and I mean they're they're literally passing pieces of paper around to track patients, and going to a system that's digital and having um, the the healthcare workers and nurses uh, managing it with smartphones and tablets. Um, I I think that model would would have huge sort of efficiency gains. Just just a simple step like that. Yeah, you're absolutely
1: right. Yeah, yeah. Like new, new mobile technology, like smartphones, tablets, wearable <laughs> devices, uh, they're all needing to be implemented to improve the speed of care. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right, Brian. I just went to the hospital for my son uh, just a few yep. days ago, and uh, you know, I, I'm in emergency. And if you can imagine, it's over a two-hour wait time to get to the triage, and then it goes into another place. And yeah, I'm I'm holding a piece of paper that I filled it filled in, and and it's funny because some parts of What they do is digitized, but it only what it does what that does is it exploits the parts that are not because they're so slow and 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 it's it's transferring data that when it's on a piece of paper you don't really capture that information in real time. Uh, It goes into some type of binder, goes get could get lost, and, and all of these things happen. And the reality is is that these paper and pen processes can easily be migrated to a mobile application. It's there there may be a perception that that takes months or even years but the reality is uh, it can take minutes
0: to build mm-hmm. that mobile app right right it doesn't have to be hard to to start seeing some gains all right so we thought about what can we do in the hospital um let's sort of move the conversation to what we could do differently about healthcare delivered outside of the hospital context and um you know w- The pandemic really pushed us into these remote visits with our doctors. Um, I had this experience myself, but uh, honestly, I was a little bit disappointed by it because I was having uh, my regular checkup, but my doctor just sort of talked with me on the phone. Like there was no video conference part of it. Um, It just seemed like we could have done more. So Jennifer, I'll start with you at this time. Um, Could remote healthcare be a bit better than a phone call? What, What do you think it could look like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It could be much better than a phone call. I mean, certainly phone is, is one way of interacting. Um, I think, you know, prior to the COVID 19 pandemic, telemedicine and telehealth and, and ways of virtually interacting with a provider were available. It's just that the adoption rates and sort of the process thinking behind making that, a, scaling it and making it a reality for a lot of patients hadn't happened. And so when, when COVID happened, What you saw was a lot of scrambling and a lot of um, trying to get this pre-existing sort of low-level technology out in front of patients and as becoming a new way to deliver sort of non-acute care or even non-COVID-related care. Um, You know, Brian, you and I were in Ontario. There's a great uh, telemedicine network that's provided to all Ontario health teams called OTN, and they've been... Very innovative in sort of imagining different workflows and working through some of the the details around providing um, better patient care over over video conference through secure messaging, um, you know, giving more virtual referrals um, rather than using a fax machine, using sort of secure um, platforms and secure ways of sharing data across systems. So. Certainly, there's a, there's still a ways to go for a lot of providers from a primary care perspective, but I'm hopeful that one thing that came out of COVID-19 that's, that's positive is that these advances in technology can be safely integrated into pre-existing systems, and then it actually can save patients and the healthcare system a lot of money. It just takes a lot of uh, sort of the time and effort to to sort of figure out the finer points of, of making it a reality. Um, just to your point earlier too, Sasha, about sort of mobile, uh, yep. technologies and, and just different, the explosion of growth in, in this area. Um, SATISA.com reported that there was over 47,000 healthcare apps as of Q3 wow. 2020. <laughs> so there's so many, um, avenues now for patients to, uh, not only be an active partner in their healthcare, but uh, actively monitor it day in and day out. And so there is a lot of data already being captured at the patient level. It's just about sort of points of s- say safe and secure integration into the system. Yep.
1: Okay, great. If yeah. Yeah, I can s- add, Brian, uh,
0: please,
1: yeah, uh, sure. So visiting nurses associations, telemedicine. This is actually our bread and butter. It's it's about field services. It's about the technology that the nurses and, and health practitioners have available to them. And so there's a number of use cases like this where uh, they they are relying on t- kind of these tablets and these tablets need, need to be secure. They need to have they, they obviously have uh, patient data on them. So that's kind of where it, it, embracing these technologies is is needed, but of course you also need some type of secure strategy around them to make sure that they're managed correctly. Uh, we mentioned HIPAA compliance, there's cybersecurity threats that cost the healthcare industry uh, millions and millions of dollars, around $7 million is, is the numbers that we're aware of. Um, so c- cybersecurity, obviously you're increasing the uh, what we call the attack vector if you add more mobile devices that have patient data on them. And that's why security becomes even more uh, needed to be managed. In telemedicine, for example, uh, we have some cool use cases where uh, there are uh, there are the province of Quebec, for example, is trying to keep track of medical patients in their house by setting up a medical station, which consists of devices like a glucometer, thermometer, etc. They have a tablet. Uh, they can connect via Bluetooth. Uh, but the, the 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 app that they build will connect. Via Bluetooth, capture all of that medical data and then store it onto that device locally. And now you can actually keep the the information on that device, or you can decide whether you know doctors can remote into that tablet, <clears throat> and then they can have conversations with the end user about the data that that they're seeing in real time. So they can have that two way communication. So this is pretty cool. Uh, we you know the tools that you have available are for you to be able to remote in, uh, see the end user screen. You can also do the Zoom links and, and those types of communication but of course there are tools that allow you to do that and ensure that it's secure as well we are also seeing a lot
0: of COVID-19 apps uh, being built so as far as like uh, exposure notification apps and uh, apps that help you evaluate your symptoms related to COVID-19 that sort of thing
1: Those sort of things, yes, as well as questionnaires to serve as a self-declaration from the employee that uh, they've submitted this questionnaire and it sends an email to their manager before Mm -hmm. they start their day. The devices are locked down, so they can't actually use the device unless they fill in the questionnaire. So -hmm. these are the types of use cases that we're we're hearing about as well.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of that. And, you know, just to talk about the importance of security here, I just want to emphasize that. Um, yeah, we're talking about compliance standards and HIPAA and all this, but at the end of the day, it, it's really because people value their health information as sensitive and it's really more personal than any of the data that uh, can we can share. So the importance of locking it down um, and making sure that the patient knows they can trust the system is really vital because it could become a big barrier if um, people start hearing about data breaches related to hospitals and the healthcare process, you could lose a lot of trust there. And um, not only that, but but in your s- survey, uh, we saw some of the costs related to the lack of security there. Um, for example, it looks like the, the data breaches, um, the way I'm reading this, it cost the organizations an average of $7.13 million U.S., uh, you know, to neutralize the threat and then deal with all the other side effects that come from a da- from a data breach. So, how much is security viewed as sort of a barrier to going digital and, and doing some of these things? I think
1: there's a there's <clears throat> there's a worry about the data privacy as you mentioned, <clears throat> but there are several different techniques that are available if you have the right mobile technology and the right tools in place to secure the data. So for example, um, one of the things that you could do is you could give everybody a a tablet. You can say, Hey, here's the, here's an iPad or here's a Samsung tablet, or here's any type of phone and give it to them. And what happens is, is that that user will use those devices, not only for their work purposes, but they'll also leverage it for, for private data as well. And they'll check social media, they'll watch YouTube, they'll, you know, do these things. So what, The tools do that we offer are things like locking down the device. You create a list and you say these are the only apps that are available to run. Uh, They are prevented from accessing the App Store, the Play Store. We make sure there's multi-factor authentication on the device. So if that device were to be lost or stolen, nobody can get access to the data. We can then locate that data. We can geofence the device so that it only resides in a specific region, for example. Um, there's there's encryption of data that you need to do on the device itself so that <clears throat> every device is encrypted automatically. Uh, data in motion. So it, as the data gets transmitted, you need to make sure that's over a secure channel. So so there are several areas. And then most cyber attacks are exploiting people that um, are clicking on links or, or receiving text messages. And, and so you can prevent uh, even calls from coming in from you know these are my what we call that list of that white list of calls that you're allowed to get numbers that you're allowed to receive and and SMSs that you're allowed to receive numbers from. Um, alternatively, you can create blacklists and say these are the apps or or text numbers that are not allowed. So you have that
0: flexibility and control, uh, deep a very deep level of control over those devices. Yeah, so some good techniques to keep in mind for uh, improving security there. And Jennifer, you and I were talking about this idea of building that privacy by design principles into health technology so that patients know not only from a security perspective, meaning uh, the bad guys don't get my data, but in fact, the patient is in control of exactly how their data is going to be used and for what purpose, right?
2: Yeah, exactly, Brian. And and I think, Sash, you sort of described some of those um, principles in, mm-hmm. in some of the use cases that you were just speaking about. Um, there are seven principles to Privacy by, de- by Design, and it was developed by the former Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, Anne Kavokian mm-hmm. uh, And she um, really emphasized a number of different elements around proactive um, engagement with sort of the end user or the patient, whoever's interacting with the information. Privacy is a a default setting. So it's a default as in, we're not going to expose you to the wider internet. And so again, some of those features that you were describing, Sash around sort of locking the device down and keeping it kind of secured within a specific environment are really crucial. you know, embedding privacy as a part of the design of the program that you're working on, or the application you're developing, yeah. and making sure that it's a part of that full lifecycle development, and it's transparent. Um, but really, it's, it comes down to patient rights, human rights, sort of patients mm-hmm. do have the right to ask how their information will be protected. And certainly with wider, you know, legislation beyond HIPAA and PHIPAA in Canada, there's GDPR. And I expect that there will be more um, movement at a, at a wider sort of macro level on privacy and security across the wider internet. But certainly when it comes into healthcare, we want to make sure that these principles are being developed in any of the devices we're using within a facility, because the cost to human information and the cost from a from a dollars perspective are just too high. And so, I think as we are getting really excited about innovation, and there is a lot to be excited about from a healthcare perspective, um, a lot of low-hanging fruit, as people say, in terms of innovation, there is also this element of uh, privacy by design that could be enhanced and improved so that people and patients have the confidence that their information is protected.
0: Excellent, thank you, Jennifer. Uh, I think we're out of time for this conversation today. I feel like we could talk about this issue for a lot longer because there's a lot to unpack there, but I wanna thank my guest today. So Jennifer, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Brian. And Shashanen, thanks for, from Sodi. Thanks for, so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing your survey data with us as well. Great. Thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. And if you're a listener for Tech Insights, remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Uh, and remember, you can subscribe on any platform you like. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can really find us anywhere. Thanks again. I'm Brian Jackson.